stat. The lethality of emotional, psychological abuse is a highly stressful event and like all sustained stress events can trigger dysfunction and adrenaline and cortisol in the body. Stat. 95% of men who physically abuse will also psychologically abuse. Stat. Women who earn 65% of the total income are more likely to be psychologically abused. My own 20-year experience of living with an emotionally abusive husband is what prompted me to write the poem that you will hear. After leaving the marriage, I pursued and received a master's in clinical social work. I like to call it my two-year therapy plan. I have gone on to study domestic abuse, particularly in women over 40, in long-term marriages. The women in my church told me that I had to stay, that if he were not beating me or cheating and was paying bills, I did not have a biblical right to leave. My friends told me, he treats you like a queen, as evidenced by external demonstrations performed outside of the home. Co-workers said, child, if he ain't beating you, I don't see what the problem is. The problem is that research now shows that there are different scars that women who endure emotional abuse display. For more information about the harm and emotional abuse, please visit my website. But for now, please listen to my poem. At least he didn't beat me. I was to be grateful that he came home every night, never beat me, brought home pain. But pain remained still stitched around my ears where he called me stupid and insane. Endless days turned into sleepless nights where I escaped to the sofa, tearing myself from slumber as not to endure rejection in the night not of my body, but of my mind. I am, of course, stupid and insane, and he never let me forget that when I wanted to cook for him, it was wrong, that even my attempts to clean his shit-stained drawers called more attention to my flaws than my love for him that slowly had been replaced with fear and loneliness. Had he beat me, I could have displayed the scars and explained fully why I had to leave a good man, a black man, working man, and a faithful man. But as he did not beat me, massive keloids went unnoticed. My overweight and underweight and uncombed hair and cancer scares have proved through my life that my scars were still there. Oh, say, can you see that a beat down, a black guy, a broken rib is not the only evidence of pain. My brokenness came and I remain to raise a son to do the same. My hurt, my pain, Daily insults fill my brain. But at least he didn't beat me, right? Okay, so um, 
There's just one other tool I'm going to pull out. One of my mothers, one of the founding mothers of Black Mothers Forum, who was a part of our initial group, mm -hmm. her son died um, last week. And so mm. it's just, it was just like, what in the world is going on? Our, wow. our men are, are coming out of here. And um, we're going to start right there. So, hello everyone, this is uh, Critical Artist at Stats Out Loud, and I am sitting here today with mm -hmm. Janelle Woods from Black Mothers Forum. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk to Janelle about several things. Um, I just want to um, give a brief um, introduction of how I came to want to even talk to Janelle. I had already published the poem, The Irony of the Black Millionaire, and um, got a lot of responses, and someone told me to go see someone named Janelle Woods uh, because she would be speaking, and I did. And it just, it was astounding how um, everything that is going on, and even what I wrote about statistics-wise, um, she was also speaking about. And so we're gonna start there. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about Black Mothers Forum? Well, uh, Black Mothers Forum is a group of black mothers who've come together and we've decided that we needed to develop our voice uh, around issues facing police brutality with respect to our children, uh, the uh, disproportionate disciplinary practices that our children uh, are experiencing at a higher rate than most uh, in our schools, the post-traumatic uh, stress syndrome that we face um, just because of the killings in our community, uh, the lack of resources in our community, uh, the drugs, the gangs, the violence, uh, the domestic violence, things like that. And we felt that we needed to come together to address those things. We, we actually came together for the first time, August 7th, 2016. And um, basically that was in response to all of the um, nationally publicized murders by the police of our young men, like Philando Castile and Freddie Gray and Michael Brown, and started seeing a pattern. And one of the things that caught my attention um, was black mothers wringing their hands in the streets with the protests, Ferguson, and the tears, and the agony, and the shock. And, um, and I thought to myself, wow, we really need to come together and get, get ahead of some of this and start to take control of this and not continue to allow it to continue to happen to us, but we need to get more proactive and um, develop a message, get on one accord with one another so that we are speaking together collectively to address the real issues in our community. So called that meeting, just so happened there was another murder here in Tempe, Tempe, Arizona, about a month prior to our meeting that I had scheduled, so that happened in July, there was a protest, didn't go so well, and there was a town hall meeting called as a result of that two weeks before our meeting, and it was run by our black male 
community leaders, um, predominantly our religious leaders. And traditionally, the black community will rally around the church. The church is where we go. This is what happened with Martha King, Dr. King, uh, Malcolm X had you know, the um, temple, the mosque, all of those, they all came together in this form of religion. And I, me being a minister, I, I can appreciate that because that's where our hub is as a black community. Anyway, the mothers that went to that to express their concerns about this murder of these children and what are, what are we gonna do about it? They were greeted with sermonettes and sermons by the men, but no solutions. When they were asked, when, when they, the floor opened for people to speak, the mothers were, the women were silenced and sat down at that meeting and were told that let's, let's hear from the media first. So they put the media before the needs and the voices of the mothers of black women. That didn't go over so well, I heard. I didn't make it, but I heard it didn't go so well. So now, two weeks later, fast forward, here's my meeting. We have about 40 women show up. They wanna talk. We had a lot of tears, we had a lot of anger. And I started at that point to say, well, I guess this is needed. And I just called it the Black Mothers Forum. I didn't mean it to be called that forever, but that's what I called it, just to bring us together. And with the idea that we get a chance to just share our hearts amongst ourselves. So initially it was just black mothers. And I wanted us to come together because we need to express ourselves in a way that only we can understand that we need to express ourselves. To have uh, white mothers, Hispanic mothers, Native American mothers in that room, even though they had black children, I just felt it would be best for us to come together as one. Because we uh, traditionally at times um, are separated um, sometimes by demographics, sometimes by how we think. And I wanted it to be a safe place for us to come and just be ourselves. If we need to cuss it out, cry it out, wail it out. And we've had that. We've had mothers come and moan it out, groan it out, whatever was going on. So the mothers wanted to meet again. We met for two hours the first time and I said, do you want to do this again? Absolutely. This was, this was free to get this out. So then we met again. And then I kept saying, well, how long do you want to meet? They were like, we want to form an organization. We want to get educated. We want to come together and make a difference. Okay. So I asked the mothers, what do you want to focus in on? What's the top three urgent issues? And we all agreed it was police brutality, uh, systematic racism, and post-traumatic uh, syndrome. So stress syndrome. So we said, okay, well, we need to narrow that down because those are big areas. So where do you want to start first? we decided that the schools uh, were the first uh, places or venues that really start to discriminate against our children and with all of the uh, systematic racism going on in the schools with respect to discipline and academics and low expectations and dropout and all those things, uh, inexperienced teachers, things like that. We figured that would be the best place to start. So we said, well, where do we start? Well, just so happens that a young lady was killed uh, in, in one of the, but at one of the schools. She wasn't at school, but it was a school-related matter. And we figured, okay, we'll start there. So we started with Betty Fairfax and Phoenix Union High School District. Uh, we figured we'd start our focuses there. And one of the things that we realized is that we didn't know anything about the schools, how it went. So we started getting, I asked women, I said, well, what's our mission? If we're gonna be an organization, we gotta have a mission. So we all agreed that our mission would be get educated, 
get organized so we could execute a course of action to, and we put dot, 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 because course of action to end the school to prison pipeline. So that's our first focus, is to dismantle and end the school to prison pipeline. Because with the prison industrial complex growing at the rate it's growing, they are fueling and feeding our children into that system left and right, especially our black um, boys. And, uh, and now our females, that's ticked up, taking an uptick. So we figured, let's start with the school. Um, black Lives Matter, they are focused in on the police brutality side. So we figured, well, they're focused there. Let them be focused there. Let us start here in the school and let's get this root cause taken care of. So our whole focus is we're gonna root this stuff out right here at the school. Interestingly enough, the schools are in shock when we show up. We started going to the governing board meetings. We found out the structure. We had a Dr. Ann Hart come out and speak to us because she used to be a deputy director for the Department of Education here in Arizona. So she graciously agreed to come educate us on the system. She did. She told us, you need to get out of the schools. You need to deal with the governing board because they're the policy makers. That's where we're having a problem. We have these zero tolerance policies and they're able to give them too much power. Parents have lost power. So they're not even calling the parent. They're just pushing children out left and right. Parents are not aware of it, especially black parents. Uh, we're not aware of it. We're just told to come pick up our children and they are violating our children's constitutional rights all day, every day. So now that we're getting, we got educated on it, we started showing up at the governing board meetings. We showed up at the first Phoenix Union High School board meeting about last year. They were, they didn't know what to do with that. We started going in two, early 2017 actually, so two years ago, 2017, I said, we're gonna start showing up for a meeting. And the mothers were like, we don't know what we're talking about. I said, I don't either, but we're gonna go. We're gonna learn. We're gonna get the agenda. We're not gonna say anything. We're just gonna show up. So a row of us showed up, made people nervous because they're not used to seeing black people in the audience. That's unfortunate, so we're, we're trying to change that. But we sat there and I told the mothers, don't make a, don't make a noise, take notes, and let's just look at them. They didn't know who we were. And I said, we're not gonna say anything for a while. So we came to a few meetings, several meetings before I decided, you know, I felt led to now say something. Here's who we are, this is not what we're gonna do. And I wanna share with you what my first statement was, because it was a, it was a really good statement that we all came up, to, to, came up with together. We as black London. Okay, so this is the statement that we started with in every school district that we've gone to, and we crafted this statement together because again, I want our mothers to have one voice say the same message, and this is the message that we start off with then we build from there. So it says, we as black mothers will no longer remain silent while our children are blatantly disrespected, provoked, threatened, neglected, and set up to fail through policies, curriculums, disciplinary practices deeply rooted in racial stereotype. We are requesting a study session of this district to address whether the current policies, curriculum, practices that are currently in place actually create a safe and supportive learning environment for our black children, especially our black sons. We want this study session to be placed on your agenda and we wanna be a part of the study session and discussion. So those, that's, that's our opening statement in any school district. We want a study session. We want to look at your data. We want to be a part of that discussion. 
because the data is going to drive decisions and we recognize that. So um, mothers feel comfortable because now we have a, a, a foundational statement that I have them build on so they can all say this. So this is the way we say the same thing all the time. Once we get the study sessions, then, we, then we're requesting a community conversation survey. Community conversation survey tells me what we're telling them is we want to meet with black students and black parents together. We want to ask them some questions. Do they feel safe? Do they feel supported? What do they expect from you? You need to know what they want. And so that's been more of a challenge because the schools believe they understand what we need and they never asked us. So right now, as we speak, we are just now working with Osborne School District. Osborne School District did reach out to us. They have a black superintendent, male superintendent, and he reached out to me and said, we want the Black Mothers Forum to come and do this community conversation survey with one of our schools. They have a high black population, high uh, disproportionate disciplinary um, actions going on, and the principal's open. So I met with the principal. She didn't know what to do. Very sweet lady. And so we did meet the black parents. They were very overjoyed that somebody would take the time and come out and ask them, what do they see as a safe and supportive learning environment for their children? We even had their children with them, K through eighth grade. They told us what they wanted. And when you ask the child, what would make you feel safe and supported? Be treated with kindness. This is kindergartners telling me this. I want to be treated with kindness. That concerns me, but they're not. I want to be treated fairly. I want to be, I want to be, one of them said nurtured. I said, okay, that's a big word for you. He, they want to be nurtured. I want somebody to listen to me. And one of the older boys, the, the black boys in the eighth grade, he said, I want them to teach me something. Now that is a shame. So you wonder why our boys get in trouble is because if he feels he's not learning anything, that means he's not engaged in the educational process. And therefore his experience is boring which means he's gonna find other ways to amuse himself since he has to be there all those hours, right? That usually equates to them being pushed out of class because now you're disruptive or you're defiant, see? And so they're not being challenged academically. One of the children said, we need another person in the room with the teacher. We need an assistant. Can we get a teaching assistant? These are children. I couldn't believe it. They know what they want. Isn't that something? This is um, amazing. I want to unpack a little bit of this and starting mm -hmm. with um, August 7, 2016. That's not three years. It's not even three years. I know. It's been, I know. So how did you become, before um, tape started rolling, I had joked with Janelle that um, she is the person, she is the go to person. When something's <laughs> happening, you better call Janelle. How did, how did this happen in less than three years? I, I really can't, I believe it's long overdue. Mm -hmm. I believe we have been looking for this and we've been the answer that we've been looking for. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And I believe it was just a matter of us stepping into this space that so was needed, it was a void. And now that we're being empowered and we're getting that power, People are seeing it, and it's really got the schools kind of backed up on their heels. They don't know what to do because we've never questioned them. We've always done it in isolation. So me as a mother, I would fight my son's battles isolated. So they've never seen this, us coming together to, in a room together, fighting for each other's children. This is new, because I'm usually just fighting for my child. 
But now that we have the mothers coming together saying, no, these are our children. Mm -hmm. You're going to leave our children alone. Mm -hmm. This is a whole nother phenomenon, and they've never seen this. And I believe that's why it's taken off, because they've never seen such power in the room. It's just two of us in the room. If there's just two mothers sitting in the room, we have a whole nother dynamic. Mm -hmm. And then the child feels empowered because now they're like, wait a minute, these children are off limits. Because if we mess with them, and this is something they've never had to deal with, this could possibly get back to black mamas. And there's black mothers on every campus. Mm. Mm. That's why mm. it has taken off. Because it doesn't matter if you come to our meetings. It doesn't matter if you formally say you're a Black Mothers Forum member. Mm -hmm. You are a black mother. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you are automatically mm -hmm. a member of the Black Mothers Forum. So you have been mobilized and motorized. Absolutely. And you are doing this. And um, they've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. How has it been received? Some of us been in shock. Some of them have pushed back. Uh, really not understanding or knowing what to do with us. Mm -hmm. I've seen that more often than not. They, um, <laughs> it's almost like we're a little bit of a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. They're like, what is this? But the thing is, is, what they don't, what they have a problem with is that we actually know their policies. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we get the mothers educated. So before we go in, we're reading that school's policy. Mm -hmm. We're looking at what they said, and I'm helping the mothers get informed on how to read those policies and how to interpret them. Uh, we're doing the Know Your Rights training. Now the, the mothers know their rights. So they go in there more informed. They're not used to that. So it's not us just operating in emotion. I told the mothers the emotion we say for the meetings outside of the room. When we get in the room, we are focused on the facts, mm -hmm. the policy. They've never seen that. They're used to us being emotional. Mm -hmm. They're used to us hollering and screaming or whatever they call. This is what they told me. You guys are loud. Mm. Mm. I said, well, we have a texture. There's a texture to our skin, to our, our voices that are going to be heavier. That's just who we are. We have a heavier voice. And it's not so much we're loud. I don't see that. I see us making a point. But but some of them get some of us get emotional, and we should. That's why we always have an advocate with one of our mothers. This is her child. She's going to be emotional. I want her to be emotional. But we also have one of us sitting right next to her, and we're the ones that are going to keep it on point. Here's the policy. Well, this is what this says. Can I say something? Let me ask you this. They're not used to that. Someone holding them accountable. Someone making sure they're doing exactly what their policy says they're supposed to do. And why did you deviate? Because no one's ever challenged us. So I get this mental picture. <clears throat> I think about Spike Lee's movie, Malcolm X. And there's the scene in Malcolm X mm -hmm. where um, the fruit of Islam, FOI, mm -hmm. come just in force. Mm -hmm. And just the presence of, you know, it's, it's just this, I get chills thinking about it now. And that's kind of, you know, like I see you guys as this mobilized force that no one's ever seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, to that, up until that point, they had thought, well, maybe we could do whatever we want to do. But then this group of people mobilize themselves, mm -hmm. and they come, and they're like, well, no, you can't quite do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And your, your weapon of choice, you are using the tools that are at hand to everyone, but you're just actually using them. So you mm -hmm. are looking at, um, you're requesting the actual data mm -hmm. that's available, and you are look, going and um, speaking to policymakers. Mm -hmm. You're just using these tools. Um, how much of this 
is informed by your own background as a minister or your own spiritual mm -hmm. piece? Well, I do a lot of praying. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm very, you know, I love the Lord. Me, you know, me and Jesus are, are on one accord. I surrendered my life a long time ago to him. And I believe he is using me as an instrument to um, take care of the poor and the needy, uh, those without a voice. I believe my calling is to be a voice for those without a voice. I just believe that. I believe he's given me the ability to put words together in a way that most people don't. Uh, and even when they come out of my mouth, I am shocked most of the time. I'm like, came out, oh wow, that was good. So um, a lot of it is deeply rooted in that. We do a lot of praying. Um, what I believe people are seeing now is the residue of all the prayers that we've done around these school districts. So we, we'll walk a building in a minute. We used to do this last year. All last year, once a month, we would pick each school strategically that we needed to walk and pray around. And I had a team of prayer mamas that would meet me on a Saturday morning and we'd walk. And we, we did the uh, Phoenix Union High School District, Roosevelt School District, Chandler Unified School District, and Kyrene. All the stuff that's coming out, we believe is a residue of what we requested. It's coming out. Centennial Middle School, walked that school, prayed over that school. Now that stuff comes out. Um, we, we prayed over um, Betty Fairfax, Cesar Chavez, South Mountain High School. Um, where else in Kyrene where we at? We haven't been to all the Kyrene schools yet. They're on our list. And Roosevelt School District got those schools. We hit all we hit their schools. So we've gone to all the different districts, did our due diligence. So now we're just watching all this stuff come out, and we're like, "Wow, this is really happening." But we are ready. So you're going back to something that you opened up with. You um, talked about Martin Luther King, and mm -hmm. so you're going back to the what black people have traditionally relied on mm -hmm. since their time here mm -hmm. in the country of getting them through. And I had to check the date as you were speaking because your experience, your first experience in August of 2016, where maybe your voices weren't so heard, right. but you're doing this prayer, you guys as mothers and Mothers, I'm using loosely. Mm -hmm. I bet you can be an aunt or cousin, and and so um, so you you have this foundation that is deeply entrenched in the church, and it's coming out. So mm -hmm. so whereas it kind of missed a step in 2016 when those moms were there ready to speak to ministers. Mm -hmm. I didn't even connect that. That's awesome that you connected that. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. So, so you are doing. It was. It was ready. You were ready to do this piece mm -hmm. then, but now you know you've prayed on it. Mm -hmm. it you've been biblical. You've circled the buildings. We you, have. Yeah. You know. I, yeah. I, I'm sure there might even be a trumpet somewhere that you yeah, right. <laughs> Well, you know, this is why we do the prayer march. Mm -hmm. So we we're doing the Mother's Day. We started doing the Mother's Day prayer march yeah. for Mother's Day our first year. Mm -hmm. Speak because on we, that rule. So mm -hmm. what we wanted to do, mm -hmm. our whole focus was to reach out to black mothers mm -hmm. or mothers of black children who have lost their children to police brutality. Mm -hmm. We wanted to put our arms around them and say, we support you. And um, we wanted to let me get that. Mm -hmm. We wanted to um, let them know that um, we we wanted to let them know that um, we had um, we cared for them, that they were supported, that they were not by themselves, um, that um, 
they had a, someone there that's another mother that understood the pain that they must be going through losing their child. Um, so that was, that was the first group. The other group of mothers we, we wanted to pray over was mothers who lost their children to homelessness, to mental illness, to drugs, um, to um, suicide. Uh, and those, are, those, were, um, those were the focuses. And then we also wanted to pray over our black sons because we know that they have a target on their back most of the time and that they've been, they've been the ones that have been demonized. So we wanted to pray over them for their safety. And so um, we prayed over them, but we also wanted to pray over the institutions that have had an adverse um, uh, interaction with the black community in the past, and we wanted to change that. So one of our main focuses is to build um, collaboration and partnerships and rebuild um, relationships. So if there have been relationships that have been broken or misunderstood, especially with the police, that's been a big issue. We don't want the police to leave. We need safety. We need police in our communities, but how do we do this differently? And so we figured if we pray over the police, we pray over those institutions, we pray for the police, we pray for city government, we pray over the attorney general's office, we pray over the court system, we pray for local government, department of education, we pray for all these different entities that have had an adverse impact on our children. How do we change that? So it's been well received by the city. The first year they didn't know what we were gonna do, but the second year, last year, they really appreciated when we put the police in front of the police department and prayed over all of them and then we pray over them when we end at the state. So it's really time of praying over our mothers, our black sons, and black sons can be however old they're going to be. So that, that means they may be black fathers. So we pray over them. They may be someone's brother. We pray over them. We pray over our daughters because our daughters too are targets. As a matter of fact, like I was saying earlier, there's been an uptick in the disciplinary practices against our black girls, as well as putting them in prison. And so we, we definitely need to cover them. And then our elected officials. You know, when we have our elected officials show up, we pray over them because they're the ones making policies and laws and that we need to make sure they're taking us into account and our communities into account when they are making these decisions. So a couple of things, historically, um, and, and we do know this, that black women have not exactly always had their place in movements as leaders um, have come to, into revolutionizing things. We know Malcolm X, we know uh, Martin Luther King, but we don't necessarily give credit to either the women that are behind them or the women who are um, in, in solo. And so like I appreciate, that you are mobilizing yourself in that way. I also appreciate that this is very trauma-informed. You're mm -hmm. addressing the stress, you're addressing the loss, and not just the loss of um, a physical death, mm -hmm. but the loss due to homelessness or the loss due to mental health. Mm -hmm. And so um, I do appreciate that you're doing this. At this time, I, I want to um, just say that we have been joined by um, Deborah, Deborah Colbert. Mm -hmm. And Deborah, can you tell me um, a little bit about how you became involved with um, Black Mothers Forum? Tell me who you are and... Mm -hmm. Sure. I am a part of uh, this community in, in South Phoenix, first of all. And, and secondly, I was doing a lot of advocacy work on behalf of the community. And when I connected with Javel, I was doing some work uh, with the Constellation. And um, 
the very issues that we were working on with the constellation are the same mm -hmm. ones that mm -hmm. she was actually attacking from the educational side. So what I did was, I, uh, you made me think back on how we actually became connected. We kept being in the same spaces, in the mm -hmm. same places, and the same people, um, and then the same issues, mm -hmm. and so, when she was talking about the Black Mothers Forum and invited me to not only one of the prayer marches, but mm -hmm. to a couple of the meetings, I was really, really um, taken in by the mission mm -hmm. and the purpose of the Black Mothers Forum and how we could make a difference. Because I'm a, a believer that if you attack one of the main systems that impacts all of the holistic beings, so education, mm -hmm is so important to what happens with your health, with economic development, with community and civic engagement. And so it only makes sense that um, we would come together as sisters in this work. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is uh, she, Janelle, allows me to go down the path of actually dealing with the learning pieces. Mm -hmm. So the impact of being in your seat now that you're in your seat, what are we going to teach you? How are we going to make sure that you're a kind, compassionate, loving individual that comes into society and can live a life to take care of, especially for our, our, our black sons, they're going to be heads of households, mm -hmm. they're going to be fathers, they're going to need to earn and provide. Mm -hmm. And then the women and the girls, you're going to be the mothers of these sons and daughters, and so how do we make sure that our children, all of them, are getting the best education possible? Mm -hmm. And that they're not being distracted by subjective disciplinary mm -hmm. practices or disparate disciplinary mm -hmm. practices that keeps them from accomplishing the real goal of going to school. So, this is again foundational. These are pieces that we lost somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, our history in the United States is a very storied one. We are peculiar people from a peculiar institution. But um, still, somewhere we lost some of what's happening. Where, um, where do you see, you address one of the questions I had on like financial literacy and wealth and the role mm -hmm. to student outcomes and that zip code that's so important. Where do you guys see what you're doing as this holistic piece of, you know, we know that this is what's happening in the news, but it didn't just happen in isolation. Mm -hmm. This came from a long way back. Where, how are you addressing that? So for me, what I started to notice when you talked about going a long way back, right, Clover, it, it appears to me that during that press, for being included and, and integrating into society because I think people forget that we had to be self-sufficient. We had to educate our children. Mm -hmm. Teachers were thought of and respected people in the community that everybody stopped to speak to. All of a sudden, now it's in a reverse. It's not the career of choice for mm -hmm. black women and black men going to college mm -hmm. because we've convinced them that success is tied into seven figures not into the molding, making, yes. shaping, and Absolutely. developing of other people. Absolutely. And so 
somewhere along the way, we started believing that it was more important to go out there and get stuff mm -hmm. and get a title or get what we define success as being materialistic and forgetting about each other. And so compassion, empathy. I mean, we're communal people mm -hmm. trying to fit into an individualistic world. <laughs> so, um, it, it, we've forgotten, but the children haven't. And mm -hmm. so when they've articulated their needs, I've heard you say that they have, they have clearly articulated these pieces that mm -hmm. you said mm -hmm. that are missing. Mm -hmm. So the children who have come articulated, please teach me. Mm -hmm. I want to be respected. Mm -hmm. These other mm -hmm. I want to be treated I fairly. I want to be treated I be, fairly. I want to be nurtured. I right. Want to be, I want the teacher treated with kindness. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, don't embarrass me when I need to be corrected. Yes. I know I need to be corrected. Right. But don't embarrass me when you have to do that. Can you do mm -hmm. that in private? Mm -hmm. uh, and and our and our you know one of the things that I, I see with me and Deborah is that we tag team well. Mm -hmm. My focus is keeping them in the seat. And that's what she just said. Mm -hmm. And then once we keep them in the seat versus keeping them out on suspension, mm -hmm. then what are we teaching them? Yeah. And when that young man told us that I want them to teach me something, mm -hmm. okay, that this is her, that, that just, oh, her heart was like, I want to just mm -hmm. do something with that because mm -hmm. that's been the problem. Our, our, our children are not, they're less engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, their educational experience is rote, mm -hmm. it's wrought with fear, mm -hmm. um, it's a hostile environment, they can't move, they can't do anything, they can't say anything or else they're going to be um, penalized, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be criminalized if they move, they, right. they, you know, and then they're demonized when they say something about it. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have to um, create that safe space, but the other thing that we have to do, and this is what we've discussed and we're working on it, is we got to take responsibility. There was a time, like she just said, when the black community, we were responsible mm -hmm. for our own education. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the way when we got desegregated, we thought that we no longer needed to be responsible mm -hmm. for our education, mm -hmm. and we just turned it on over, right? right. And so we, the, our black teachers were pushed out, mm -hmm. left and right, they're still being pushed out. Mm -hmm. So our children don't have anybody to identify with. And then they're scaring the black teachers. The black teachers are being bullied and harassed in their current situations. They need jobs. You know, they still need to make a living. Even though it's their passion, they still we still got to eat. So they're concerned about their jobs. So we see ourselves as this group that teachers, black teachers, can funnel information to us. Mm -hmm. And since we're not under the payroll, we speak to it on their behalf, keeping them anonymous and keeping them in their jobs, but we're speaking to the issues that they see every day. See, they're on the inside. Mm -hmm. I need them to stay on the inside so that we can go ahead and push from the outside what needs to really happen. Mm -hmm. I've never seen an organization like this that attacks, I don't want to use attack, that sounds um, hostile, but that confronts the issue or or, or um, looks at it from so many prongs, like you're mm -hmm. addressing this from a spiritual piece, um, from an educational foundation, you're addressing the policy, mm -hmm. you're addressing the, the mental health, you're addressing the financial pieces, you're addressing so many pieces in this. And, and one of the things that um, when you, you talk about teach, we know that that 
that's rooted in discipline to teach is mm -hmm. to disciple to mm -hmm. to discipline mm -hmm. and so some of that was lost it used to be a time that you didn't have to spank your child openly in the store you would never mm -hmm. see that a, a mother would give a look mm -hmm. and that's and right. um and that's it. That's it. <laughs> that was it. That's, that's all that was it. We've all been there with the look. And that was it. So at some point, structures did begin to break down. Absolutely. And I see that what you're saying is that the the teaching is not. It's in the schools, yes, definitely, but it's also in the homes. Being able to bring that to teach discipline back into mm -hmm, the homes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so um, as you are talking about that, why is this special for black mothers? Uh, black mothers? Mm -hmm. People of color mm -hmm. became a term of vogue and at some mm -hmm. point. But why is this different for black mothers? You want to take that one first? I'll let you well, take that one first. <laughs> Empowerment. Mm -hmm. as, as black women, no matter how hard we work to accomplish certain goals, whether it's educational, uh, professionally, there is a feeling of still not being empowered enough to make decisions that you need to make. And so what I see us doing with the Black Mothers Forum is giving the voice back to the mothers. It, it's amazing to me how many mothers have relinquished their voice, mm -hmm. feeling as if the authority rests with some culturally deficient people mm -hmm. to take care of our children. Absolutely. Um, and so even the school has done a good job of making the mother feel that they are powerless. So what I see us doing is helping our sisters reclaim their power mm -hmm. and their voice. And, and let me piggyback on that. Okay. Also, also making sure that our mothers recognize that we are the experts on our children. Mm -hmm. And what the school has done is made us believe, uh, on a whole, that we don't have any expertise in this area of education and that we don't quite know what's best for our children because they have an educator by their name or they have these little certificates. So you don't know what's best for your child, we do. And somehow we have bought into that lie. And what we have done, like she said, we've empowered, but we've also educated our parents and said, no, 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 we need to renew your mind on this. Mm -hmm. You are the expert. You're the one that lay down and had this baby. You're the one that's raised this child. And you know what you want for this baby. You need to tell them what they're going to do for your baby. They don't get to dictate to us. We have the power, like she said, to tell them what we want. And for so long, we, we've somehow decided that they knew what was best for our children, and that's not true. So again, renewing the mind and saying, no, 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 you are the expert. You may not have these little certificates by your name, but you are educated, and you know exactly what you need for your children. Yeah, we call that the first teacher. Yeah, the first, yes. the first teacher. Right, yes. the first teacher. Parents as teachers first. Yeah. So how do uh, black mothers and black women in general reclaim our voices, um, take back our voices. We see lots of groups who mobilize on the tenets of what black women built. Um, we see movements that um, where people use um, the um, the same pieces that were done by black women who were mobilizing in the 60s and even before that, but now 
whatever group you want to say, without crediting the black woman, mm-hmm. will now um, use those for their own empowerment. And we want people to be empowered. God bless being empowered. Mm-hmm. But in, in the course of that, the black woman's voice has been diminished. How do we reclaim voices for black women? Do you, want to, you want me to take that first or you want to? You take it first <laughs> and then <laughs> I'll take it. Think about it. Yeah. So how do we do that? I think we be intention, we're intentional. We are the ones that give us our power. We're the ones that take it back. We gave it away. Uh, we have to toot our own horn. We have to um, recognize each other. We have to applaud and acknowledge one another. And, and so I believe it's us telling our own story. We have to tell our story. We can't leave it up to someone else to tell it. We tell it. We put it in writing. We put it in video. We document it. We archive it. And so that way we know that, no, it was a black woman that did this. It was the black women that came together and put this together. And people will know that. But we have to get in control of it and take responsibility for it. We've so far too long looked to someone else to promote or to lift us up and exalt us and we're like well they didn't do it and then we're sad no 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 if we did it then i need to lift up my sister that's our job is to edify to build one another up to recognize one another to document it that's what we're doing and so that's our job yeah and and to that comes a a vulnerability Mm-hmm. that you have to be willing to open up to new relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's fearful for us to get into relationships and to trust mm-hmm. other That's people having our backs. And so to Janelle's point, look, if we can't edify each other, if we can't <laughs> lift each other up, if we can't even at the end of the day have that real conversation to say, now you know that, that was that really the right thing to do? So, and do it with love. And I think that's the thing, we're so used to being mistreated that we're, we don't recognize love when it's really just coming at you until the person trying to send the love continues to send it. Mm-hmm. Then it finally breaks the person down to believe that they're worthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing too. I mean, the worthiness, mm-hmm. to your point earlier, we keep hearing about what we cannot do, cannot be, we're still lowest paid on the totem pole when it comes mm-hmm. to income, but we're working hard. Why is that? So if we support each other and mm-hmm. we start to lift each other up, we go. start to open our own businesses, we start to direct the the flow of money in our community, uh-huh. right? Then we're we going to it. see that power, that voice come back. If we start to educate about the vote, Mm -hmm. the power of your vote Mm -hmm. and what it means and be an educated voter when you vote and be organized around what you're trying to do, then we're going to restore that voice and get it back. So for us, it's about tearing down some walls that's been built to convince and to um, work very hard to make sure that we know that we're just we're human we're people that deserve love and we can give it to and all that other outside noise and frequency about having to make a living and pay rent and take care of children um the village (laughs) right can do that exactly but but again we've lost some of that trust and i'm looking at our guiding principles one of the things that the mothers decided we wanted to do was we wanted to put together some guiding principles of how we operate 
not only in our meetings, but with one another out in the community and um, making sure, like she said, trust. We operate with integrity. You know, that, you, that I'm gonna be honest with you and you gotta let me uh, because I respect you. See, respect others' opinions. I'm gonna respect your opinion, um, but you gotta let me operate with integrity and talk to, talk to you when I see something that may be out of order or may not be in your best interest and you don't see it. Us being willing to do that, listen to understand. You know, we've had some intense conversations in our meetings and people get a little twisted and we always have to remind, oh, wait, hold on, listen, and then confront ideas, not the people. One of the things that has been, what, what's happened even from slavery, they made us confront each other. That was on purpose and we continue to carry that over. I'm not, I don't wanna confront the person. Let's talk about the ideology that is behind what you're saying. And maybe you don't even understand it, but if I listen to understand where you're coming from, then you gotta listen to me, right? Create a safe and supportive environment. I need to be safe to be me. I'm gonna make mistakes, I'm gonna probably say it wrong, and it's okay. We're too, we're so used to people judging us and we're so used to people tearing us down. We as black women have to build one another up. And I'm not gonna be here to tear you down. I'm gonna be here to guide you and love you. And this is what we've been doing is loving up on one another. Even if I don't understand fully what's going on, I still gotta love up on you because you look just like me and we all share something in common. Either we've had babies, we are somebody's baby. <laughs> right. So we have that in common and then confidentiality. You know, we always say what is said here stays here. So I say if you want this to stay in this space, please make sure you let us know. Because also as women, we love to go share it. We'll go tell it on the mountain. Absolutely. We'll go tell it on the mountain. So you better tell me that you don't want me to go tell this on the mountain. Exactly. Jesus used us real well as women. He used us to go tell about his resurrection and about everything, right? The women go tell it. So we definitely say if, it, if you don't want that to go any further, it stays here. And we make sure we put those things in place so that we can continue to create those safe and supportive environments. I hear the recreation of the village that we lost. I mm -hmm. hear the forum is wonderful. I hear more than a forum. I hear forum plus mentor moms of mm -hmm. being able to have the, these generational pieces yes. of a generational teaching. How, how do we do this in other places? How do you do this outside of Phoenix? Ooh, well, we've had that discussion. Yeah, we have. We have. We <laughs> wow. have. Um, I think one of the things that we've been doing is because of social media, technology is so powerful. Mm -hmm. I've had conversations with mothers in other states mm -hmm. just via FaceTime or Skype. And really giving them, uh, being able to at some point go there, but having them get organized and me walking them through or, or one of us walking them through how that looks. Uh, but they gotta get started. I know that um, they have a lot of, um, they have a lot of fears, just like we did. And um, again, technology is key. We're having a book club called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Have you seen that? So that's on Facebook Live. That's a way for us to connect nice. uh, and to have those conversations and people from all over can be a part of that. Uh, and then again, I hope our goal is not, a, while we're having this discussion, that it will start to have a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And we will start to bridge those, you know, start to build those relationships. But we have been asked, can mm -hmm. you take this? We believe this is the model. This is gonna be, this is the, the model here, mm -hmm. and then we take it out. I've heard it called yeah. the model. 
And so uh, commercial time, you have some things coming up. So you've got this Facebook. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell, tell me, where can we find you? So um, our Facebook page, Black mm -hmm. Mothers Forum, mm -hmm. the Facebook page, we have our um, book club. Um, live stream mm -hmm. uh, on uh, the second and fourth Thursdays of the month, starting okay. at six thirty, from six thirty to eight p.m. Mm -hmm. So six thirty p.m. eight p.m. AZ time, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so. We've only had our second meeting. We just had our second meeting, but we'll have our next one on April 25th. That's a Thursday at 6.30. Nice. So we're asking people to join us for that. Um, we also have our monthly meetings where people can come here to our physical site. Mm -hmm. I've been asked that we live stream that. We're working on that. Okay. So hopefully we can get that live stream so people can start to, from the other states, start to see how we do it. Because mm -hmm. I think that's where people don't know what we're doing. So we're going to start to live stream those. So that's second Sundays of each month, unless that's a holiday. Mm -hmm. So in May, it won't be the second Sunday because the second Sunday is Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. So it'll be the following uh, Sunday, it'll be May 21st, okay? okay? But it's usually from 2.30 to 4.30. Mm -hmm. So those are the standing. We do Know Your Rights training. That's where we talk to them about their constitutional rights. We usually do that the third Saturday of each month. We're not doing it the third Saturday this month mm -hmm. because there was an African diaspora that's supposed to take place this Saturday. And we did not want to um, do something that would conflict with that because we want to support African businesses and organizations. So we try again to support one another. Mm -hmm. So we moved it to April 27th. Okay. We're going to start our first parent advocacy training 101. Teaching parents how to go in and do what we do mm -hmm. uh, often. We do this almost on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting with somebody in someone's room talking about why are you doing this to the children and helping the parent. We're teaching, we need about 20 to 30 parent advocates out there that we can call to go out East Valley, North, South, West, uh, centrally located, and so um, that we can have coverage in all these different meetings. Um, so that's also April 27th from 9 to noon. Know Your Rights training is from 1 to 3 the same day on the 27th here in our office at 3146 East Weir Avenue, room 15, Phoenix, Arizona, 85040. Our phone number is 602-373-4091. Our email address, let me go on and just put it out, yes. info at blackmothers with an S, forums with an S dot com. Did I get it? You got it? I think you got it. Um, is there anything that I missed that you would like to put out there? Anything. That it would really, really be important, I think, for more mothers to not sit in silence. There's to realize go. that they don't have to sit in silence and suffer, mm -hmm. that we are here and we can help. And so that would be probably the main thing I would, I would add at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you both for sitting with me today. I, um, thank I can't, you for having us. I, <laughs> I appreciate it. Definitely. I can't tell you what it means to, um, to, to have this group. I told Janelle, you know, this would have been wonderful when I was raising my kid to be able to have a group like this because I did it solo. Mm -hmm. I, and, and to be able to, um, you know, have this, this group, this village, wrapped mm -hmm. around me, supporting mm -hmm. me, would have been wonderful. But because I know how powerful that would have been for me, it's why I wanted you guys to be able to speak to how powerful this can be for anyone else mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. has that need. And mm -hmm. everyone, 
has that need. If you have a black niece, nephew, mm -hmm. grandchild, Absolutely. whatever, then this is a need that I hope you wrap yourselves around. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Thanks. You can choose the She is participating in the cause. Right, so right, right. So they're paying attention to what we're asking. Let me think of, on, on that phrase. How do we communicate boundaries? And then select a card based on your intuitive senses. Um, right now. So go ahead and, and select a card. And I'm going to get like one sheet of paper or a notepad. And so for the next three minutes, I want you to look at your card while thinking about the phrase, how do we communicate boundaries? So you're not going to write anything, you're just going to look at your card and contemplate for a few minutes. Now let me know when contemplation is Now I want you to write a short verse. It can be a haiku or some other poem based on what you um, thought about as you were meditating on whatever card and on the topic that we're discussing, which is communicating boundaries. So just write down a few lines. It can be in any format you want. of this. So we're going to start our next round. Um, the theme for this round is, why don't I tell you that? So why don't I communicate? So with that thought in mind, with that theme in mind, I want you to select another card. Yeah, randomness or intuition or destiny.
our topic for the third round of meditative inquiry is how do I communicate desire? The things that I do want. But you're going to select another card. It can be a random, it can be intuitively, whatever card you like. You need to write down the verse that you think communicates the most to you.
need more time. Our final prompt for this uh, session is, what keeps you from communicating divinely? One more round, we're going to select another card. The intuition, random, trusting the universe.
So I'm going to share mine, and then if anyone wants to share theirs, uh, please feel welcome to. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about like what the theoretical grounding for this strategy is, and, and how I take it. Um, so I'm going to uh, show my cards as I read each verse, okay? Um, looking at your eyes, take a minute to think and answer from the heart. forest needs trees. You are the only one left. How long will you stay? Branching, reaching out, roots that go back a long time. Hush the voice with teeth. Dagger teeth and claws, hidden by my arrogance, the world could end now. Um, Anyone else want to share theirs? Even a part of it or a funny part that they didn't think was going to make sense that ended up making sense? I mean, I have a dinosaur taking a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I heard some chuckles at the last one, and I was like, no, I don't. I don't know what's funnier than that. <clears throat> I definitely missed something if I came in late because I did not write that at all. I wrote something like what I thought about the words that you were saying, not the cards, mm. not even the haiku, just random thoughts. So I definitely That's missed okay. that. Did you connect to the card at any part? Um... I mean, I just love water and the ocean in general, so this is like my favorite card. It's cute. Kind of remind me of some past stuff. Um, that's it. Mm. Um, I guess I'll share something. Uh, the second question was, uh, I'm sorry. Um, why don't we, why don't we communicate boundaries? Yeah, and my response was I was answering your questions, mm -hmm. um, not the cars. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, so my answer was I am under the impression that my body tone would express my boundaries to others. Mm. So that's what I wrote. What, can you tell me which card you had drawn for that one? Again, I didn't pay it's attention okay. to the I'm order. Just, uh, I'm curious, kind of mixed. This was my first we card. That we don't know that we're doing. First card. This was my last, so it's between these two. Sorry, I didn't keep no, order. No, it's okay. So, and I don't know, maybe... They're kind of similar, too. Right, so, so, so what that came to mind is when now is I'm a Gemini, and that just, like, <laughs> double person, I don't know. So that came to mind. No, I mean, look at those two cards yeah. side by side. Yeah. That's so. really interesting. There's that. Anyone else want to share one of their verses or a card that uh, made them think I'll about? share mine. Um, I was, yeah, I answered the questions mostly. Um, That's okay but try to make a connection with the cards as I was doing. Um, so my first card was this one. Mm. And so I wrote, I feel vulnerable without any clothes to cover my body. I need to trust you. And then my second card was this one. Mm. And I wrote, because I'm afraid of what you'll think. Mm -hmm. And then, this was my third card. Mm. 
I'm like thinking of things that I can add on now that would relate more to that. <laughs> don't, but, you don't have to force it. Yeah. I wrote, I clearly tell you what I want, and you decide if you want the same thing. So that was number three, and this is number four. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm afraid you'll think I'm crazy. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Does anyone else want to share? I will. No pressure. Um, I clearly went overboard. And did when you said verse, I, I must have thought you meant stanza. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's great. I'm here for it. So here's the card. In the shadows, I found myself beyond the reaches of protection in a fortress of pain, lost to the outside world. But eventually, I did find myself outside of the shadows. I'll do a bit desire So, this is the first card for desire. And I put it asking my ugly queen what it is that she needs, only giving it to her if she is so deserving, not knowing between. And then it was kind of interesting if you flip it upside down, you might get like a different perspective too. Mm -hmm. And then what keeps you from communicating desire? Was this And then I put cheeky bastard playing the victim. You have desire, but withhold it from yourself. Mm -hmm. So this is um, an activity inspired by Paul June's creative imagination. And so typically we would um, do the, the staring a lot longer, like until people get uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and usually we would do like maybe one very short phrase, uh, contemplate on that, and then, and then one of these cards. And I love these cards. I use them all the time. Um, but creative imagination is a, a psychological uh, tool that gets used in art therapy a lot, actually. Um, and it's about um, when we see these cards that are nonsensical, especially, our subconscious speaks to us. Um, and so this is a way to get in touch with that using creative tools. And I use the, the poems or stanzas uh, or haikus as a way to not have to um, necessarily like re-narrate trauma um, or experiences that don't uh, we don't are not equipped to to re-narrate, um, but using creative tools as a way to um, like think about and then articulate something about what we're feeling or what we've experienced. Um, so this is um, a tool that gets used in art therapy actually quite a lot. Um, and I like using it because it can turn anyone into a poet. Um, and my students are always amazed to realize that they have the ability to, to communicate something really beautifully. Um, and we've collected lots of counteractions using this kind of tool and, and similar ones. Um, but yeah. Um, any questions or observations or things?
Okay, that's it. So, just to give you a little background, you all know that I'm a musician, and from this conversation that I'm on the um, orchestra audition circuit. And on being on the circuit, I've had to really figure out a way to evaluate, reevaluate, and make a system of my preparation for these auditions. Um, because in 10 minutes on stage, that'll determine pretty much the rest of my life, right? Whether I pass on to the next round or whether that's the end of the road for that audition for me. Um, and if I, and the goal is just to keep passing and then actually get the job, right? <clears throat> Which would be fantastic. Um, quick background before we get to the goal setting. Um, for orchestral auditions, um, you'll face a lot of what I call for this the F word. Um, which I uh, don't see as the F word, and that's failure. Um, because a lot of what we do as artists is um, subjective, not objective, right? Um, obviously, there is the objective. Um, you need to, for music, you need to play the, the right notes in the right time, in tune, beautiful sound, all of that. But once you get to that level, then it's just very subjective. It's, it's a matter of taste, it's a matter of. Um, how they liked how you did something. It's just, you know, um, and so for me personally, I've taken 13 auditions and haven't gotten a job yet, but that's normal. There's people I've taken over 40. Um, so it's, I've had to figure out a way, how do I cope with that? How do I keep myself positive and keep being the last person standing, you know, even though I'm not getting the job, but I'm, I, I'm going to every single audition and um, I just keep trying, how do I keep moving forward? So this made me figure out my own system and the system is still ever evolving, but my own way of um, basically making the most of my preparation. <clears throat> and this is where the goal setting comes in. Um, so the constants that I've found when I prep for auditions, um, first and foremost, I must make sure that I'm doing things that are trackable and tangible, right? Um, and for it to be trackable, I need to be writing. I need, I need to be writing up just to keep myself in check. I need to keep myself. It's basically a way of recording what I'm doing. Um, and the the key when you're writing is to is, and goal setting is to be specific because when you're when you have a big goal like for me being principal flutist of the Detroit Symphony right that say that's the that's the big goal that I'm that I'm striving for um, during this time period I need to make sure that every day I have a, a mini goal or a small goal a small step that I'm taking to get to that final um, larger goal uh, not final but to that larger goal um, and I got to be very specific about it and that's where the tangible and the trackable comes in um, and I also have to be as objective as I can in the areas that are um, 
subject to objectivity. Um, and how I wanted to say a few words about like applying this to other aspects, because for me it's auditions, but for other fields, it could be interviews, it could be a game like a, like a sports game or a test or exam. Um, and so what I'm going to do is basically um, map out how we use our time. It sounds simple, I know. When I was going over this myself, I'm like, well, this is common sense, but we don't really think sometimes about exactly what we're doing with our time and the time in between. You know, um, there are people that are big planners, meaning they plan every hour of their day. And I'm, I, I don't want to really go into that, but I want to go into the times that we, when we're doing our work, right, when we're trying to achieve our goal, what we can do with those times. It's for you. And so... <laughs> No, it's okay. Come join us. Good. Should I leave? No. No. Come join us. We're doing a guided goal setting. Okay. And so um, the what I'm the map that we're gonna make. Um, I'm calling it the happiness tracker um, because. When we think about the F word, right, failure, and then success, um, we're, we're, I think, trying to achieve happiness, right? And we're trying to make progress. And that's really how I see happiness. And I see it kind of more as a verb, not a noun. Um, it's something that you do. And so um, in in light of keeping keeping a positive view of things, I call it the happiness tracker. Um, so, the, okay, let's see here. Okay, so with time, let's go over this. Um, basically, what I did here is I mapped out, I just started two days um, of, of mapping out like a system of what I'm doing. For me, it's auditions for, it could be whatever. Like I said, an say it's an interview. Um, when we think about how we're using our time, um, we have our non-negotiables, right? Um, we have our non-negotiables, which are sleeping, right? Eating and work and or school. Um, Usually for those of us that are working full time, it's eight hours a day, five days a week, or if we're part time, a little bit less of that, but spread out through the week, through weekends. Um, and school, we all know about school. <laughs> <laughs> it's all over the map. And then, so that's one, that's one um, kind of category, right? The non-negotiables, those have to be in, in the plan that you're making. Right, it's your schedule, your planner, or your happiness tracker. Um, it's it's the first category, and those those should be put in there right away. Then number two would be your priorities, and that's your goal, or your goals, right? And so everything else outside of that is free time, um, and there should be some of that left. We've 
that will not be there a lot of the time, probably most of the time. But you'll find, well, you probably have already found that when there's not time, like just free time, you're going to have to make free time later on. Because right, otherwise you're going to have a mental breakdown or you're going to just be so overwhelmed. Um, so let's keep that in mind. So when I'm planning my day, I um, know that I take, well, you obviously know yourself. You have to know yourself, right, to, to use your time effectively. I know that I take like an hour to, to get ready for the day. That's my shower. That's my hair, everything. So um, 6 o'clock I put for waking up, and I know that's really early, but I invite you, for those of us that are not morning people, which is me, um, to try. Um, again, this is my own personal ex perspective through my experiences so far. Um, so take what works for you and leave what doesn't, but try it before you make that decision. Um, at least try it. So um, like I said, I'm not a morning person, but I am waking up at 6 a.m. these days. Um, and I, because I know I, it's a full hour before I'm fully awake when I'm, when I'm ready to go. So six to seven, shower, get ready and everything. Seven to 7.30, I'm um, eating breakfast. If I eat breakfast, I'm not a breakfast eater, but you'll You'll, you know yourself again. And 7.30 to 7.45, I meditate. Um, then, so basically, the, that's um, like kind of non-negotiable stuff for me right now. And you'll find what your non-negotiables are besides, that are besides showering, um, eating, sleeping, and working. Um, and then after you put in those, the meals and, and work, <clears throat> that's what you're left with is the time that you have for your priorities, which are your goals, right? Whatever it may be. And that's your work. That's your work towards the goal. Um, and it's in that time in the, for me, I wrote practice. Um, it's what's in blue. So everyone can see. So my green in here are my non-negotiables. Non and my blue is my, my priorities, which is my practice. Um, and this is like... Oh, from last week, or this, this week that's just happening. It has nothing to do with the skill itself of what you're doing, because we all know how to do what we do, right? It's just the, the human aspect of trying to combat the nerves, trying to combat the external factors. Um, and that's training the mind. Um, and so that's, those are the three categories that I separate that into. And how long have you been podcasting? Only since... Um, only since maybe May, March, or May. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You've been getting a lot of hits, a lot of followers? Not a whole lot, so you'll help me out. What's, what's the subject matter you cover? So I am doing my doctoral degree, God help me, mm -hmm. and it's on critical arts research. So what is that? Meaning using the arts to talk about issues that I want to talk about. So I know connected to your music, you got an issue, like you were inspired by something. Of course. So you're yeah. going to tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Tell me who you are first. Well, can I, uh, if you don't mind, can I get right here? Because it's a better, it looks better sure. and, and you get better acoustics. Right okay, here. let's do it. And I hope you 
Of course so I, I will, but you can pick it up. As well. I'm on iTunes and Spotify. You can pick me up. All right, so tell me your name. Uh, my name is BJZ. And where are you based out of? I'm, uh, I live in St. Louis right now, mm -hmm. but uh, I travel sometimes. Okay. Uh, and my music is intergalactic, so it's, it's for the whole, not just for this universe, but every universe is okay. multiverse. I feel you, multiverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spit at me. Okay, check it out. Introduce myself. I like to introduce myself. Come on. To you. Oh, 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 oh. Bring it now. Oh, oh, oh. With the number one, uh, 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 BJ. All right, all right. So tell me, what's your inspiration? What got you started? Uh, well, it's pretty much. I like uh, music. It was uh, always in the uh, DNA, and I just, uh, you know, I always used to make sounds mm -hmm. and noises coming up. Ooh, I bet your mama must have loved that. Uh, yeah, you know, so it's just it's something that uh I used to do as uh kind of like getting ready for school or while you're cleaning up. I used to like just you know imitate all these songs and like make sounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I really found out that it was a, a thing, the art form, you know, I found out that it was called vocal percussion. Yeah. It was called, you know, and I seen other people, Dougie Fresh, Rozelle, other beatboxers, you know, doing, you know. So I started kind of molding it and branding my particular form of vocal percussion, which I like to label beatbox soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said you just came back from Memphis. What were you doing there? I did the Memphis in May. Okay. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know you got to be influenced, like you influenced by the multiverse, but there's a lot of things out here. So this is a podcast. No one can see you right now, although there will be a picture of you on the blog. Mm -hmm. um, but what else has influenced you? Like what else has said, this is the style of music that I'm going to drive? Uh, it's just... Soul music, you mm -hmm. know, uh, all the greats, you know, uh, James Brown, mm -hmm. uh, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, Miles Davis, Dougie Fresh, mm -hmm. Biz Markey, uh, every genre of music, every, you know, um, when you a person that like music, you you really just gotta have a really good ear and you have to be a connoisseur. Right, right. So I'm just a connoisseur 
and I'm an observer and I'm a listener and I just take it all in and when I take it all in I modulate it and then I spit something out that's mine make it unique what would you say is the sound of St. Louis? the sound of St. Louis uh, the sound of St. Louis is just a cornucopia of sounds Yeah. you know it's yeah. It's in the middle, so we getting the influence, fluctuations of everywhere, every different uh, different aspects from off the coast, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's down bottom or up top, and on the sides, you know, we getting all of that. So a lot of artists, they take that and they make it their own, you know. Uh, so the. A lot of people know St. Louis for having the blues sound, you know, uh, right, it's associated right. with the blues. Uh, I think it's bigger than that, though. I, I think, you know, it's like that. that's that's a limited because it's, it's so much more like, you know, I like blues, mm -hmm. you know. Blues is one of the first, you know, musics, you know, along yeah. with jazz. But uh, it's like... Uh, you, you know, it's kind of associated with kind of bad, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of so depressing like, vibes too. So I, you know, I, I like it, but you know, it's, you know, I appreciate it for what it is. But it's more than just that. It's more than just the blues. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's a cornucopia of sounds. It's just a numerous different kind of fluctuations of sounds, you know what I mean, that come out of St. Louis, you know. But it is a blues town, and that's because the city, you know, the, the city, the music reflects the city. Right, 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 right. So, uh, we need more artists putting out good vibes, but we need more people that's putting out good vibes so we could put out better music, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's been a lot of tragedy ish in St. Louis, or you're known, I'm not from here, you're, when I told people I was coming to St. Louis, they told me to be careful. Uh -huh. Is your mu music influenced at all by the tragedies that have happened here in the last five, seven years? Well, the thing about it is, you know, if people are uh, feeling oppressed mm -hmm. or feeling like they in the state where it's like, you know, uh, so this is not my town. Is he rolling up on us? I don't, I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah, ain't nobody did nothing. <laughs> okay. So All right. Should be cool. All right. <laughs> but uh, if it's like you got the news that report a lot of you know homicides and murders, and, you know it is a lot of stuff that goes on. But the thing about it is, it's a lot of good people too. So yeah, it's yeah. like you know. We just have to create a balance, you know what I mean? Like, when you got people that's like, uh, you know, uh, feeling uh, oppressed or whatever, and they uh, watch the news a lot, and you know, like I said, you know, you gotta have people that's like, starting to like, be more open and be more, you know, create more good vibes. And then you will get, you know, people that's doing better music. But a lot of people listen to, they get sucked into what's going around them. And then they, so they kind of, they art reflect the music. But you got a lot of artists that also 
they just promote they vibe. That's what I do. I, I just promote my vibe. I don't, you know, I take, you know, I know what's going on, but I don't need to say what's going on in my music. I mean, I could talk about certain things to an extent, but I don't need to put out a lot of, you know, ill vibes. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, it's a choice. You know, you could get sucked up into what's going on, or you could decide to, you know, uh, hey, I'm going to create my own reality. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? So do you ever do any of the open mics that are around town? Open mics, you know, I I, I have frequent the open mic scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Open mics is always a good uh, forum yeah, to yeah. you know uh, express. I think uh, me myself, I kind of like fell back and kind of stepped back from the open mic scene because it was kind of starting to get repetitive. Okay, okay, and uh, a little depressing. You know, with a lot of people, like, you know, uh, just spitting out whatever. You know, just venting. Right. A lot of people venting, and, you know, they venting a lot of uh, stuff, and it's like, you know, oh, my God. You know, it's just get too, be too much. So right, it's like, right. you know, uh, the open mic scene. But you got some good open mics. I would say the open mics... Some open mics are good, you know. Okay. All of them is not bad. Some of them are good. And, uh, you know, St. Louis, it's, it's just, it's a bubbling place. It's a bubbling place where, you know, it's right on the cusp of, you know, greatness. You it, know, it, it it's, is. Just, it's just right there, you know what I mean? Well, so, close me out and then tell me where we can find you. Well... Uh, like I said, I'm VJZ, mm-hmm. uh, vocal percussionist. Are you on Instagram? Uh, human Serato. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you can catch me VJZ Beatbox on YouTube. Uh, I'm on uh, a couple other little platforms as well. You know what I mean? Uh, and. Everybody that's in the city, you know, that don't know about St. Louis per se, you know, you got to come and experience it because it's a lot of culture, a lot of artists, a lot of good, you know, uh, cultivation of artistry here. You it know? is, it is. Yeah. All right, my son, thank you very much. This is all I got. You stay straight, okay? Okay. All right. Okay. And then get my email so you could. Uh... Okay. They put the coal roads in, and they were just getting ready to cut the tops off the mountains. And everybody down there was like, "Oh, it's just great, man! We're gonna sell the lumber, and then they're gonna, you know, mine the coal, and then they're gonna fill it in and turn it into Walmart's or whatever." Well, now you get down there, it's not like quite that way. You know, the water's polluted. You know. And of course, in Appalachia at the time, the poverty was like amazing. The what was? The poverty. poverty. Oh, yeah. I mean, the roads didn't even, until the coal companies came in, it was like nine hours up to the nursing district where I was at for uh, my mule to supply it. Way out on 
Did the first white man Just ripped him off of his soul Northern California Thank you. 
That was Thank very you. nice. So do you get to hear that all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I get to hear that all the time. That's wonderful. Lucky you. Yeah, so anyway, it's one of them. Yeah. Nice. It's an old one. I like Man, that. it came to me in a dream, you know. Wow. Well, I, I had just it. come back from Appalachia. I, I am. Uh, my wife was pregnant, and my son was being born. And, um, I had spent like six or eight or nine months with this Indian down there. He's a, he's a North American, up from Alaska, but he wasn't an Eskimo. He's a real Indian. You know, mm -hmm. well, just a different, you know. Mm -hmm. But he was a silversmith, and uh, his. Oh, it was a whole other story. But anyway, yeah, he was cool, man. Like, that guy was really cool. Wow. Well, thank you. So I want to give it up to my. my oh, nice. I want to be there. Nice. The trees and hills and the oh, sun. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, yeah, Maggie's an artist, yeah. Oh, can, can we see? Yeah, graphic artists. Wow, yeah. I love it. That is amazing. Hmm. I, I could do a better image if I had. Right. I collect um, clippings, clippings of pictures that I see wow. that I like, yeah. and then I can use them as inspiration for. She does wow. some nice ones. He did some yeah, artwork of the washroom. I haven't done wow. watercolors for courses. Yeah, I took That's a watercolor so Isn't that gorgeous? It was on a Saturday morning when I was still working. Wow. I can imagine it. Isn't it true? Yeah, I know. Don't you want to be there? That is really <laughs> yes. inviting. All right. Kind of yeah. goes with the song in an odd way. Did you want to go? <laughs> well, I didn't write a story, but I wrote things that are going to trigger me and what I want okay. to do, but I really want to write a story that people can listen to this story mm -hmm. and maybe bring in some different elements, being a tomboy and living in trees, mm -hmm. living out at the farm now and how they created pastures by wiping out all these trees, and but then kind of subtly work this hook into it about well, how do you get back to the trees? You know, so I have to think about it and what to do, but that's Please. kind of where I'm going. I love it. It's going to be a story. Yeah, a story. The only way I can do it. If you want to. Sure. Love and hate both start as seeds planted with purpose in thick cultural soil prepared to yield sprouts, tendrils of new creations sprung from ideas, watered, words tended. The question, what fruits, what tree shades your actions, breaks your storms, bends and breathes in your backyard? Will that tree sustain your future or fall, withered and rotted, hollowed on your lawn? Hmm. Sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> We should come to the open mic. We should we should reading. all go. We should all go. We should Friday, plan a day. Friday, okay. We should plan a day. Okay, I'm I'm gonna yeah. read. Alright. I remember trees lining the gravel unpaved streets that my papa used to walk with me. Trees to take the perfect switch 
to make the perfect pitch intense and to hold the s'mores as we would rent space underneath the trees. I remember the smell of oak and maple smoking as we cooked our campground staple. Big Mama's roasted apple stuffed bird that Papa caught, caught under the tree. My first kiss, my long written list, <laughs> and all that I still miss all happened under a tree. I cry a little when it seems to be that some small child has lived without a tree. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like wow. it too. Wow. That last line is so so there wow. they see like what can be done and like we did it in ten minutes, right? right. We did this in ten minutes. It. No, <laughs> no, no, like we all contributed in ten minutes.